Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So good, good to know. You know, where was that? Where was that during the interview? Right. I'm asking you. Uh, All right. It'll be it'll be active uh, at our next interview, which uh, we'll we'll talk about a little bit later in the show. Um, but but uh, it's gonna be back. Sorry for about sorry for the delay. Sorry to be away. Sorry for not uh, being on the show for the past couple weeks. Uh, we've had other other hosts holding it down though. Like me last week. Great job, Steve. Thank you. Always a great job. A plus work from Stephen Judds on the hosting. Appreciate it. <laughs> right. Once upon a time, Stephen was only a producer, but was just as integral as part of the entertainment. I like as, to think uh, so. as any of the hosts. What's that? I said I like to think so. <laughs> Ex- I think so too. I think so too. Especially when it comes to booking talent. You're the you're the bestest when it comes to booking talent. Uh, what do we have coming up on the show? So in the next couple of weeks, we got some big ones. Next week, uh, we have a guest host, Justin Mermod, and he uh, went, uh, and I went to see, uh, see Slightly Stupid at the Greek Theater in Berkeley. Um, I bet that was a great show. The Greek is one of my all-time favorite venues, Stephen Jones. Um, oh, oh, that reminds me. Dave Matthews is playing at the Greek sometime in August. We should totally go. He is. I think most of those are sold out, so... Um, no, it's well. It's Friday, Saturday, Sunday. We get Sunday tickets. It's probably the only night I could get off work anyway. Um, you and I actually saw fun uh, at the Greek last year, probably uh, August or September. Yeah, they had two sold out uh, nights at the Greek, and yeah, big, they did. Big they were show. touring, um, obviously, still enjoying the success from uh, from the. I think it was 2012 that their breakout album um, finally hit, uh, and they were touring with Tegan and Sarah. Uh, which is great. We walked in, we saw the end of their set, and I heard a song I really liked, and I, I've listened to it over and over and over again. Um, it's probably their biggest hit to date. Uh, it's called Closer, and it's a really good song. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, and Jack Antonoff from Fun, he's produced uh, some of Tegan and Sarah's stuff as well, so he's worked closely with them. So, Right, there's a link. There's usually a link. There is. So. Um, usually. So yeah, so that was, so you'll get to hear that next week on the podcast, and then um, the following week we should be having Devo on the show. I'm excited about that. I, I love Devo, love them. Uh, my, my college roommate, shout out to Ryan O'Donnell, got me into Devo when we were rooming together, and uh, I I think the Devo is is amazing. I think their social commentary is great. Their music is obviously great. Um, they're getting a little bit older. And doing other things, uh, we're gonna we're gonna be really excited to talk to them. Though I'm super pumped. That's gonna be a lot of fun. That's at a show at the Shoreline Amphitheater. They're opening for the Arcade Fire, um, and I believe that is July what twenty third, twenty third, coming up here. So well, it's, I guess it'll be it's, for you folks listening. July thirtieth is past. is when it is actually. Oh, it's July thirtieth. Yeah, my mistake. My mistake. Okay. Yeah. yeah so so that'll be coming up soon. Um, and, but before um, all of that, we have to get to our favorite segment. What's our favorite segment, Joe? It's the uh, the first and greatest segment, music news. So this music news is brought to us by antimusic.com forward slash day in rock. They have some awesome rock news stories, so definitely check them out. Uh, that's where we borrow them. Good, from. To, good to stay appraised. Good to stay appraised of, of music news in the rock community. It is. Know what's going on, and and uh, there's some interesting stuff this week. So um, I'm going to start it out uh, with uh, Van Halen uh, music speculation on Tuesday. Um, uh, here's kind of the recap. Um, there's a photo circulating of Eddie Van Halen visiting a mastering studio in Los Angeles, fueling speculation about possible activity in the Van Halen camp. Eddie Van Halen came to visit Howie to studio, uh, read a post on the Facebook page of Howie uh, Weinberg Mastering Studio. Um, Weinberg mastered Van Halen's 2012 album, A Different Kind of Truth. Um, and... Um, and earlier this year, uh, reports indicated the band uh, were actively working on new music. In, uh, so uh, with Wolfgang in the band now, um, he does a lot of work with Van Halen right now. They're putting together a new album, so it's going to be hard to get uh, everybody's schedules to line up. So it sounds like they're you know, working on a new album, maybe, kind of. What are your thoughts? 
you know, I, I want to say it's a non-story. Obviously, it's exciting um, if it's true, but this this is the case. If they were releasing a new album, they would be hyping it. Why wouldn't they? Why wouldn't they be telling everybody we're back together again, we're in the studio, we're doing uh, a new album, it's going to be amazing. I don't think this is a story until the band speaks on it. I think until then, it's this dude stopping in and watching his, his buddies go nuts and do their thing. So, you know, I think that when you're really wealthy and a very affluent and, and, and you kind of have a storied music career, I think those guys are going to the studio all the time. I really do. I think that if they come up with a good idea, they're like, I should go record this. Why the fuck not? I have the money. I have the means. Now's the time. I'm not going to get to, I'm not going to call the guys and get the band back together, but it's a good idea and it's a good jam or I came up with it. And I really like it. Go down and record. You have the money. You can pay for the studio time. You could pay to have it a good producer master it. So that's, that's how I look at it is I, I think it's exciting if it's, if there's any kind of real, um, uh, value to the story, but I don't think that it's really real. Uh, I think it's just speculation. When they say speculation, they kind of like put their hands up and go, well, we said it was speculation. It All doesn't right. have to be, you know, uh, substantiated. So, Do, Is David anyway. Lee Roth still in Van Halen? That's a... Only David Lee Roth. Only David Lee Roth can answer that question. <laughs> I know. It's uh, it's so back and forth. I know Sammy's not going back, obviously, but no, yeah, that's never happening. Yeah, but He's I've doing heard... well for himself, though. I've heard they've had issues with David Lee Roth in recent years too. Yeah. Though, so yeah, I mean, he's a firecracker. What are you gonna yeah. do? And, and, These guys and... live 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 life and play by their own rules. They, they do. So, so what? You got a story for us, Joe? Yeah. Speaking of bands confirming uh, working together. Uh, Blink-182 says they have a new album in the works. Uh, Tom DeLonge, actually, uh, bassist uh, for Blink-182. Oh, guitarist, I'm sorry, I'm guitarist. Ha. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, Mark is the bassist. Um, anyway, what's the deal with these guys? Blink-182. They're Steve, your thoughts? Right? Yeah, so, um, yeah, I mean, Blink-182 will always, you know, have their place. I don't know if I listen to oh, I, i'm sure i'd listen to their most recent album um but i don't know that i loved it um so i mean blink 22 is solid uh, I'll, I'll give it a listen you know when when something new comes out yeah i mean i'll listen to it but yeah they they uh they they twittered um or no it was on instagram excuse me tom DeLong made the uh the um announcement he said rehearsal start today yes there will be a new album uh, hashtag sorry for the wait hashtag blink so you know do i think that it's going to be amazing i don't know i don't think so their their last couple projects were not great the last album blink 182 produced as a group was not great uh and the uh the subsequent angels and airwaves tom the long project was not great uh didn't didn't hate the albums before that there are a couple of Blink albums that I think are absolutely fucking brilliant for pop punk. Just catchy as they come. Loved them when I was a kid. And uh, and, and that's fun. And so there's, you know, I'm, I'm going to say these guys aren't partied out past their prime rockers yet. I think they're in their like mid to late 30s at this point. So yeah. if they want to do another album, I think they totally should. You know, let's see where it goes. A lot of bands have matured later in their cycles and produced good music. A lot of people always cry foul saying it's not as good as the original. Yes, that's the case. However, we all grow up and we all change. So something you make at 21 is never going to be the same as something you make at 40. Uh, But let's give it a listen. Let's see how it goes. For sure. And I don't think we can get through music news without uh, this next story. Um, uh, The last original Ramones member, member, Tommy Ramone, died. Um, Yep. I remember uh, hearing that the other day. And so, um, pretty much at this point, he was he was 62. His death was was announced by the Ramones' official Twitter um, in the early hours of Saturday morning. Um, the account uh, tweeted, "We are saddened to announce the passing of Ramones founding drummer Tommy Ramone." Hashtag R.I.P. Tommy Ramone. Um, and so, yeah, it wasn't just music in the Ramones. It was an idea, said Tommy Ramone in 1978. It was bringing back a whole feel that was missing in rock music. It was a whole push out- outwards to say something new and different. Originally, it was just an artistic type of thing. Finally, I felt it was something that was good enough for everybody. So what are your thoughts? Are you, you a Ramones fan? 
Yeah, I like the Ramones. The Ramones are, you know, I'll tell you, there's there are some some facts about the Ramones that can't be denied. Um, the the '70s punk rock movement could would not could not would not be the same uh, without the Ramones. They were they were integral in in the the punk movement, and um, you know it's unfortunate that they're all kind of getting to that point in their lives where they're paying the Pied Piper. But when you do a lot of drugs and you drink a lot and you have way too much fun because you're punk and you don't give a fuck, sooner or later you have to pay for it. So um, quick question, uh, Stephen Jones. Can you tell me what Tommy Ramone's real name is? Tommy Ramone was his stage name. Um, his real name is uh, Erdely. Erdely. Do you know where the, what kind of name that is? Uh, it sounds Greek. No, it's oh close actually. Good job though. It's it's a uh, Hungarian. Oh, actually, yeah, yeah. The, uh, the Ramones, yeah, the Ramones were were an eclectic group of uh, of guys. So they were. And and Marky Ramone, I think, is his name is still around, right? He's touring with Andrew WK. So. Yeah, yeah, he's still around. But yeah. I mean, so. but he's he's not a, he's not a founding so. member. Yeah. Um, you know, this guy was drumming in the seventies when nobody knew what the fuck a punk was when the it was it was not really colloquial slang yet so yeah. uh anyway sad stuff there much love to the ramones and uh and what they did for music yep. so you yeah. got a story for us um hold on a second you're gonna have to edit this <laughs> yeah so uh so weezer everybody's favorite band uh um had this really cool thing i thought it was worth mentioning the fans helped shape the new album. So um, they're having a new album come out. It's going to come out September 30th. And uh, apparently it, it has a return to uh, Pinkerton in the Blue Album Glory Days. I don't know what that means. I mean, I guess it means that they're dismissing the future. I'm going to say the, the newer sound, the one that apparently nobody likes. I don't have a problem with it, though. I didn't hate Maldroit. Uh, I mean, that album came out a while ago. Didn't hate it, though. I thought it was good. Um you know, songs. I guess. I guess the new sound being things like Hash Pipe and and uh, well, obviously that's not new, but that would. I think that would mark the turn of when Weezer went from like this kind of rock, regular rock band to poppy kind of weird experimental stuff. Um, I think that the. I think that it's cool that that Weezer has managed to maintain an individual identity, though. So. Anyway, um, so what he's saying is uh, he says that we we belong to the rock world. This is Cuomo, obviously Rivers Cuomo, guitarist, writer, singer, um, and we. And then he said we belong in the rock zone. Uh, sorry, I, I I screwed that quote up. Let's uh, keep going. Just you can do it. Yeah. <laughs> you can do all right, it. We're all ears. I'm push through. All right. I, I mean, I'm just I'm trying to mix in my opinion with the article at the same time. Uh, anyway. We kept performing the song, the songs live, uh, and the fans heard one change uh, in that one word. And online, they started hitting me saying, "Change it back to rock world," and that's how fine-tuned their aesthetic is. So essentially, what he's saying is that the crowd, when he was playing these songs, uh, the Cho- fan they chose version. one word in a lyric. Wee! <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's a summation. Um, I'm glad. I'm glad that you have. That is a summation of of the events. I'm glad you have an opinion on this. Um, <laughs> I think. I think. I still think it's cool. So what it was was there was a song back to, back to the shack. Um, it was a new track. They started playing it early 2004, and the fans through the fan cam River was creepily watching all of the uh, footage, and he saw people telling him to change the lyrics, uh, and so. They're so tuned in with their fans that they're willing to change lyrics for the fans. Anyway, Weezer, what can I say? I think we've talked about this story longer than that one word is worth. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I don't know what the influence is going to be, Steve. It might be you might hear the song and be like, back in the shack or back in the smack. Back in the shack is better. I think that's a better version of the song. Pretty pretty sure I won't give a shit. (laughs) <laughs> pretty, pretty sure i will i love weezer you listen for that and you tell me when when it comes out you tell me how that uh, uh made a difference in your life okay 
Steven, I'm not only I'm gonna one up you. Not only will I tell you, I'm gonna make you listen to it and tell you why. <laughs> and I'll uh, tell you why that one lyric is so much better the, since the fans influenced it. I, I, that'll be great. I can't wait. So, <laughs> uh, so let's do one more news uh, news story, and then we'll get into the beef of the program, um, which is our interview. The beef, which is our interview with uh, um, with our special guest. So first off, t- uh, Tony Iommi from Black Sabbath. Um, he's talked about wanting to do a collaboration with Tom Jones. Mm. Uh-huh. And uh, so his suggestion was that the New uh, new Look Sabbath would take a, a concept album based on a mythical monster vis- visiting a Welsh pit, uh, a village on the road for the Minotaur Minor Tour. Uh, though the story was a joke, it sparked conversation between Iomi and Jones, which led to a friendship blossoming between the two men. I've met Tom a few times, and we were talking one day, and he said, did you ever see that thing in the press about me joining you guys? I said, yes, I did. And he said, it's not a bad idea, is it? I'm like, Tom, he's good. Uh, I'd actually like to do something with him. It could work. What I, what I think this would sound like is I think it would sound like it's not unusual to be crazy, but that's how it goes. <laughs> that's all I got. How did it go? No. <laughs> was there a Tom, was that a Tom Jones? It's not unusual mm-hmm. version of by Stephen Jones right there. It was an exclusive, only on concert pipeline. Only on concert pipeline, folks. You're not going to get that kind of quality entertainment anywhere else. On your way to work. You know, you're, you're stuck behind the car in front of you. It's going to make you late. You know, you just know there's going to be traffic when you get to that one intersection where those two highways meet. Stuck in the car. You should listen to Concert Pipeline. You should. We'll make you, we'll make you feel better about it by talking about music, something you and, and, and we both love. Uh, and while we're on the topic of music, we should uh, bring in our special guest, which is uh, Miles Hendrick. Um, I got a chance to do a phone interview with him uh, during his tour with OK Go. Um, he's uh, doing the whole West Coast leg of the tour, and yes, um, and so we get we talked about that a little bit and so much more. So why don't we check out that interview? Hello. Hey, is this Miles? Hey, buddy. Hey, Miles. How's it going? Steve Jones from Concert Pipeline. Hi. How are you? Doing good. Doing good. Um, so yeah, just wanted to take a couple minutes of your time, if if that's cool, and uh, and talk to you about the, the tour you're on, you know, uh, about your life as a DJ, that sort of thing. Sure, sure, man. Um, so tell me, uh, you're living in LA right now, right? Yeah, I'm living in LA. Yes. And uh, where are you from? Uh, I'm originally. Well, it's a long story, but I'm from Australia slash New Zealand, so I'm a combination of both. Uh, how long have you lived in the United States? Uh, I've lived in the United States for 12 years now. Oh, very cool. Very cool. And mm-hmm. um, and so you're uh, currently on tour with OK Go, right? Correct. Yes, I am. So I did this little West Coast tour, and then I think we're going to book it to the dates um, on the East Coast uh, in a month or so. Do those with them as well, so... Oh, cool. They're, How... doing a full, they're doing a full-blown tour, but I, I can't commit to the whole tour, so I'm going to do some of it with them. Now, uh, so well, how how has the tour been going so far? You've played Sacramento and San Francisco, right? Yeah, we've only we've done two dates of, of the seven on, of this West Coast Lake, and uh, um, tomorrow is Seattle, uh, Wednesday, uh, Saturday is Portland, no, Vancouver, then Portland, and then there's two in LA, and then there's one near San Diego, which takes us through into next week. Cool. So, you're, so are you in California right now, or are you up in near Seattle? Uh, I'm actually in San Francisco. I'm still here. Oh, cool. So, what have you? I go to Seattle. We go to Seattle tomorrow. Cool. So, what have you been doing in San Francisco while you're while you're in the area? <laughs> to be honest, um, I, I I ate today at my favorite Chinese restaurant in San Francisco, a door called House of Nanking. And that has been it. I take it easy. We had a very late night last night, so I was just looking forward to getting some sleep today. <laughs> tour life. Hashtag tour life. <laughs> very cool. And so uh, so how did you get set up with OK Go and doing this tour? Um, I had a band uh, a few years back, and we, uh, we did a tour with them. Um, 
of the Midwest, uh, like a college tour. And uh, I'm friends with the guys in the band, and um, they, I think they're all big fans of kind of DJ culture and electronic music, coupled with the fact that they have a um, pretty um, mammoth stage set up on this tour. There's not a lot of space for anything really but them, so I think it leans itself more towards a, a, a DJ support versus a traditional um, opening band. But in saying that, I, and like I said initially, they, they're they very supportive of electronic movement, uh, music, sorry, and, um, and also the importance uh, of, of DJ culture. So I think they they wanted to have a bit of a nod to the fact that they're they're cognizant of of uh, um, newer kinds of music being played via a DJ versus a traditional um, band. So, did you get a good feel from from the audiences uh, in the Bay Area? Yeah, uh, I mean, you know, they've all been really great. The OK Go fan base is 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 really cool. They're um, they know the music, so it's it's fun to play to a knowledgeable fan base. You know that likes all kinds of music, and they've been so far, you know, two two shows only, but uh, it's been the response has been great. Cool. And so you mentioned having a band a couple of years ago. Was that White Light, White Heat? No, that's a, that's a separate side project of mine with um, um, two of my friends in the Strokes. So that's a kind of a, a fun DJ gig thing that we do together every once in a while. Uh, so that comes around, you know, here and there when you guys can get together, sort of thing. Yeah, we do that. We do that, uh, you know, half a dozen times a year. We do it. We'll do an event. Or we'll do a party or um, something of that nature. You know, wherever, whenever we can get together and it makes sense for the for the three of us, and um, we end up somewhere random, play music, and have fun. <laughs> That's what it's all about, right? <laughs> Yeah, it is. It really is. Uh, you know, it's about playing good music and you know, obviously having fun too. Love doing it. Yeah. So, so you've been playing <laughs> bands a really long time, right? When did you When did you know you you know that music was the uh, you know your passion? Where Where you wanted to be? Where you wanted to spend your life? Um, that's a really good question. I I I, I think there are major moments in my life. I think the first major moment was my my mom being an obsessive Beatles fan and listening to every Beatles record and every Elvis record that she obsessed over. So, and she played piano. So that was kind of, you know, the door creaking open and that music was kind of important. And she bought me a drum set when I was little, which um, which was uh, fun for the neighbors. <laughs> it always is. Uh, it was good for me because the neighbors uh, were all learning Woodwood and woodwind instruments. So they were, um, you know, constantly doing scales on recorders, which drove me insane. So I started learning the drums, which quickly sorted that situation out. And then I think the next, most, I think the, the moment really that was a kicking point to me was my turning point was I think when I saw Nirvana, and that was it. Uh, that did it that for was, you, huh? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The Beatles and Nirvana, 100%. And that's when I knew I needed, I needed to figure how to figure out how to do something and have it part of my life in whatever capacity that that would end up being, you know. Yeah. But yeah, the band thing happened after that. I did I did various bands and that's really fun. Um, did that for many years and uh, still write and uh, you know the production side is coming along nicely so. I'll be doing some of my own music again, which uh, which I'm looking forward to and finishing off and releasing and you know keeping it kind of in line with what I'm DJing, so forth, so to speak. And so, uh, how did you kind of parlay that from being in a band uh, to beco uh, becoming a DJ? Um, well, you know, being in a band is very very hard to to support yourself unless you know you, you're out of the gates and you know, you do reasonably well, but in this current musical climate, even the bands that 
you feel are doing quite well, it's very difficult to support yourself. And um, uh, I did DJing initially um, as a way to pay the bills and pay the rent um, and for fun because I like playing music. So um, I think one day I ended up at a, at a venue and they asked me if I could just jump on for fun with a friend and that led to one thing to another and I realized, you know, this is kind of a fun thing to do and then became more of a thing and, um, you know, I, I got better at it and applied myself to the craft a bit more other than just chatting up with a couple of crates of records and just being, you know, mucking about. It became a bit more of a craft that I wanted to to hone and uh, became good at. So, so it just it developed naturally and then I think when I first started DJing, it was kind of, it was almost a dirty, it was a dirty word to say that you were a DJ. I would, I would always say I was in a band and that I would DJ for fun. And, you know, that was in the, in the mid, like in 2006, 7, 8. And then it all shifted. It was funny. And then it all became the DJ culture started creeping up, which was interesting for me in America. I never really thought DJ culture would become big, big. And, uh, you know, we're in a very different climate now where the DJ producers of the world are, you know, kind of, at least in some spheres, um, really, really making all the gravy, <laughs> so to speak, you know. So, it, yeah, it's, it's an interesting situation that, that, that um, now that I can say I'm a DJ and it, it's not something I really um, shy away from saying, I don't, I don't really run around and tell everybody I'm this great big DJ but um, I'm not as embarrassed as I used to be when I would say it. I would like I said I would preface it with saying I was in a, a band and then mumble under my breath that I was a, a DJ <laughs> so how do you how do you find uh, you're able to kind of stand out as a DJ in this you know time now where um, everybody at home has the access to the tools right garage band and pro tools and that sort mm -hmm. of thing mm -hmm. well I mean I think in some ways it's really amazing um, I was just having this discussion with the OK Go guys about, you know, people that I've been listening to and playing some of the songs that they're playing. And these are really young kids out of, you know, from everywhere, from New Zealand to Perth, Australia, to they were just playing me some stuff from some kid out of Russia that they found on SoundCloud. And what's really good is it's, you know, it's taken these, probably these kids that are super, like, math nerds who aren't really probably don't have the money to go to, to music school or, or you know the acumen to want to sit down with a guitar or spend hours and hours on a piano years on a piano learning a craft and they figured out how to make music with a laptop and creating sounds that haven't existed before so I really kind of like it I like I like that the music is coming from everywhere so and and and, and how do you stand out I don't know, you just try and hopefully write something that's a little different and a little better or something that's memorable. But I'm, you know, I'm all for, I welcome all, all the music that's coming um, from literally every angle. You have to sort through it, but um, I think it's an exciting time. I think it's put music back in the hands of everybody. Because when, you know, when, when I started earlier, you know, being in bands and, and having to play, there was, you know, you had to do your music in very traditional methods and you had to have traditional people listening to it and record companies looking, listening to you at showcases and all that kind of stuff. And now that that's all out the window. Oh, for sure. And you've had... Yeah, I like it. I think it's more exciting. It's like a revolution. And, and the music that's been made, that it's, um, I guess earlier on I was very um, hesitant, uh, hesitant and reticent to adopt you know, or even listen to, because I was a very traditional, from my background, you know, I wanted to hear drums, and I wanted to hear guitar, and I wanted to hear song structure, and I wanted to hear it this way. It was, um, it's been a process, but, you know, I appreciate, you know, I talk with these guys who are, who are writing songs on the ground, ground up, much in the same way I still do, but I've also learned to write songs in a very, very different way, and even the guys with an OK Go, they're all doing own, their own musical projects that are very, very different, and than what they perform as a band, for example. I think a lot of people are doing that now because because typically, like, I'm in a hotel room right now and I could effectively sit down and start writing an entire track just off my laptop. I mean, lots yeah. of people have done it. Kanye did it using a 
on using um, very basic um, software. Obviously now he doesn't, but Dark Punk uh, early on to the Justice record, the very first Justice record, a lot of it was done off the laptop, basically. So, I don't know, I think it makes people realise that music's not elitist to anybody, you know, that if you want to, you can try and, and possibly even succeed and make some, you know, make people all over the world hear what you're doing. I think it's exciting. Oh, yeah. No, there's all different levels at this point. You know, I mean, you mentioned Nirvana, like the Foo Fighters, they recorded like one of their last albums in the garage. And <laughs> so, I mean, you, there's no... Yeah, it, it, it's like, a, you're exactly right. It's like the redefinition of the garage. You know, I mean, my first band, we rehearsed in a garage. That was, you know, it was hot and sweaty. It was a roller door. We had to stop at a certain time. Um, but it was crashing it out and now you know the garage is, is your computer in your own bedroom you know just tinkering around and, and making as much noise as you can on some shitty headphones and hoping that it sounds cool and then you instead of making a mixtape and giving it to your mates and hoping that people listen to it you you know you throw it up on on, on SoundCloud or something like that and hope people hear it so it's it's interesting but a similar way but a redefinition of Yeah, totally. And so you have a, a new tour mix out called Summer Bounce Volume 1, right? Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Wow, you're quick. Yeah, that was that was uh, something I put together for this tour. Uh, it's a lot of producers, uh, DJs that I personally like. And uh, I don't know, it's got a nice summer feel to it. Um, and uh, it was I don't know. I thought it, I thought it was I thought it was a somewhat of a fit um, with the OK Go tour. Um, it's bands that they like. It's producers they like. So um, I don't know. We were we were waxing lyrical the other night and trading songs and you know, like I said, being up before. I mean, not being up before in the morning doing crazy rock and roll shit, but <laughs> trading music. Not very rock and roll, very mathematic and geek like, but that's what we were doing. For sure. So they can so they can get it on the tour. Is there anywhere else they can get it? Uh no, it's actually actually only allow the only place that one's available is you can listen to it on my on my mix cloud. Um that's it just went up today and I guess it'll be on SoundCloud soon, but I haven't got onto that format yet. Do you wanna give I the... literally threw it up I threw it up and uh, this morning in my hotel room before I had to leave. Nice. So you're probably one of the first people that actually heard it. I, I saw it on your, I think it was your Twitter that you, you posted about it. So. Ah, right, right, right. Yeah, it's been up for less than five hours, according to my Mixcloud. So you can find me on Mixcloud. It's just, uh, it's like a SoundCloud website that's a little um, more forgiving for DJs than SoundCloud. SoundCloud's getting trickier and trickier now for DJ mixes. Go on the mix cloud, huh? Okay. Due to, due to lots of licensing issues, that, um, uh, which I can't really explain off my cuff how how mix cloud get around it, but a lot of DJs are moving to mix cloud. It's like always so trying to stay one step ahead. And it's about staying one step ahead at this point, right? There's a lot of territory that like hasn't been defined, like podcasting it, itself, right? I mean, it's not ruled by the rules of the radio or anything like that. So. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, yeah, spot on, yeah. So staying ahead of those with the, with the suits. <laughs> uh, um, so, um, so you also do work in the the fashion industry, right? Do you want to uh, tell me a little bit about that? Oh yeah, I have a, I have a, over the years I've created a, a pretty strong relationship with um, Vogue as a good client of mine. Um, I do a lot of events for them. Um, I travel to those fashion weeks. Um, that happen, you know, every season and um, the major fashion capitals being New York, London, Milan, Paris, so that happens typically in such a, like September and also in February, but there's also men's and women's fashion week, so um, I typically go through most of those cities. Um, there are events for fashion brands that I've worked for um, 
and so you know I get to I get to travel a lot, go to these wonderful cities, um, play music, and and um, it's it's fun. Where I'm, I'm fortunate, grateful. <laughs> totally. Where's your favorite place to perform? Um, I played some shows in Paris that were pretty pretty amazing. Uh, I played one in a in a park in Paris for I don't know about two thousand people outside at night, and that was pretty magical. Um, it will forever live in my memory. It was wonderful people. The setting was incredible. Um, but and saying that, I also did uh, recently. My friend, really close friend of mine, got married in in Tuscany, Italy, and uh, they rented this wonderful two thousand year old castle. I mean, it couldn't be scripted any better. It was a two thousand year old castle on the hillside, and they created a DJ area slash dance floor well away from the castle by a swimming pool area and. Myself and James Ford from Simeon Mobile Disco, um, being friends of the bride and groom, were the DJs, and uh, it was very small and very intimate, you know, 100 people, but that was pretty amazing. To DJ with James, because James is a, a legendary producer, DJ to the Arctic Monkeys record, he's, and, you know, Simeon Mobile Disco project has, has always been, I've been a fan of that for a long time, so that was fun, but... Also, the OK Go Tour has been great. I mean, we played Sacramento and um, we're playing smaller clubs, but, you know, when I went out, it was a packed house and they were, you know, it was a different situation. It was like a live, full-on live show and that was a lot of fun too. This whole tour has been really, 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 really great. I'm excited for to do more and, you know, and hopefully next year when they move into bigger spaces, that'll be, you know, another step up that'll be, be even fun to be, to do as well. Yeah, and you mentioned playing overseas. Um, you you got to play mm -hmm. for Prince William and Kate Middleton. Is that right? Yeah, that was very interesting. Um, having grown up in New Zealand and Australia, you the royals, whether you know you're a lawyer, a royalist or not, they're a pervasive part of culture. I mean, they're on your they're on your dollar bills. You know, mm -hmm. you know who the queen is. You know everything about the royals, and. Uh, yeah, I was. Uh, it happened in Los Angeles, and uh, I got a phone call. I think I was walking my dogs, and they asked if I wanted to. Somehow they found me. Somebody through their people found me and asked if I. They were in town to do, I think, some event. I think it was uh, after have a brunch in uh, Los Angeles, and they were there. They were honorees. And it was their party, and they, they asked if I would play. And uh, I, it was a funny phone call because I thought the person that was calling was taking the pets. I didn't think they were actually for real. Yeah. And, you know, I was walking my dogs. I was in like a canyon, and I was it was I was discombobulated. I I couldn't marry my dogs. Uh, the canyon and the phone conversation. So I think he, it it took him a few minutes to. Um, convinced me that it wasn't a joke <laughs> you know and and it went over so okay I was, I was pretty chuffed about that i told my mom about that one you know most of the dj gigs i do she's like she's more concerned that i don't get enough sleep or i'm not <laughs> too late or drinking too much or heaven knows what but when i told her i was doing this you know it became something tangible that she could see that um i think this dj thing is all right after all <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> My wife's family is English, so I get a lot of, uh, <laughs> and I hear a lot about the royal family. There you go, there yeah, you go, you see? I mean, I, I mean, much to the chagrin of my girlfriend, I stayed up all night and watched that wedding. It was, you know, there you go, that's the stuff I do. And like I said, I'm not a crazy royalist, but for some reason, I wanted to see it. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, when I got that phone call, it was just, it was bizarre. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, it was an interesting, interesting thing to do, be a part of. And and you've also gotten like the opportunity to like work with you too, right? Oh, that was that was nothing too spectacular. That was my I have a an acquaintance who was um, like a personal assistant to the band, or not a, not a personal assistant. Sorry, let me get that right. She was head of PR for the band, and they came through LA. I think they did um, 
classes like that. And they had a, an after-party situation, so it was just a matter of doing some music there, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't, I don't know. It was just a little something, and it was nice. It was nice to be associated. So. Yeah, for sure. I was too, I was a little too, you know, I, I think I, I didn't really want to say hi to them. Sometimes it's not great to meet people that you, you admire. Yeah. It typically doesn't go that well. That can go, so yeah, I, one it, of two ways, right? <laughs> yeah, and it's never usually good, so I, I tend to just, I tend to um, not go up with a handout for the handshake. Yeah, for sure. So do you want to tell everybody how to uh, check out your uh, your material, your uh, your DJing, all of that? Yeah, um, and um, I think if you go via the OK Go website or my website, there are dates up I'm playing. Um, but you know, there's going to be many, many options. I'm going to go going to many cities um, uh, in the next. Whoops, that's an incoming call. Ignore that. Um, in the next number of months so um and then also i'll be in europe in uh september um i think i'm doing something for i do lots of good things with amc too so i'm doing some madman stuff related breaking bad stuff so that's all fun too uh what are you, what I'm are you very doing? lucky i'm a very lucky lad and uh, that is oh, cool i think the strokes the strokes are playing in la for fys so we're trying to do something together there while they're in town so that could be fun too Oh, that'll be fun. What are you doing with Breaking Bad? You suspect my interest here. It's like one of my favorite oh, shows. Oh, sorry. Yeah, well, um, I do a lot of work with AMC. Um, Breaking Bad is one of, you know, their their um, penultimate shows, that was, along with um, Mad Men and the Emmys. Uh, once again, um, coming up in a month or so, and uh, Breaking Bad have been nominated again. As, as has Brian um, and uh, Aaron. So um, every year they have a, a, a kind of a party, hopefully to celebrate. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't know, they won last year and I was very happy for that. Uh, and it was a great party a year ago. I'm not sure how it will be this year, but I mean, you're a Breaking Bad fan, obviously. So oh, yeah. the, last, the last number of episodes were pretty phenomenal. It's amazing. To say the least. Yeah. So they may honor them, may honor them again. So we might have another Breaking Bad dance party, or we might have a Mad Men dance party. Who knows? We might have a Breaking Bad slash Mad Men dance party. That would be something. Else. It's always always interesting to see those guys, you know, off the TV, cutting it on the dance floor. Oh yeah, no, that would be pretty cool. Especially if they were in their <laughs> in their getup, like Heisenberg would be dancing. I don't know. That'd be pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what's what's the um. Who's the guy that played um, his brother-in-law? What's his name? Oh, Dean Morris? Yeah, Dean Morris. He is a dance floor machine. That's all I have to say. About oh, that. that's that's funny. <laughs> he goes, oh, actually, you know what? Let me, let me, let me, let me give props to where props are due. Aaron Paul always gets the party started, 100%. That doesn't, that doesn't yeah. surprise me. <laughs> As yeah, you, you're probably not surprised by that. But yeah. Aaron, you know, Aaron will be the first on the dance floor with his lovely wife. But when it really gets going and it really gets dirty, that's that's where Dean steps so in. Dean comes and, in. Uh, last year, he was just. I mean, I, I don't. I, there are some moves that I've never seen, and hopefully, I'll get to see in a month. Ho- hopefully, he's expanded <laughs> upon him. <laughs> yeah. He knows how to break bad, that's for sure. Oh, that's yeah, there it is. 100%. <laughs> uh-huh. That's awesome. Well, Miles, uh, Miles Hendrick, for everybody listening, check him out, uh, mileshendrick.com. And, uh, Miles, thanks for being on the podcast today. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Thanks for taking the time. It was nice chatting with you. Hi, this is DJ Miles Hendrick. You're listening to Concert Pipeline. Moving from our interview with DJ Miles Hendrick onto our next segment, which is new music, uh, we're going to feature a song from one of our mutually uh, favorite artists, and that was actually on the program a couple weeks ago. And yes, that, and that is Andrew McMahon. 
Yeah, so I got uh, we had him on a couple weeks ago. Uh, Andrew, Mc- no, 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 wait, Andrew McMahon in the wilderness. Ooh, I know we didn't have in the, uh, in the wilderness. Formerly huh? of something corporate, formerly of Jack Spanik. Formerly of just Andrew McMahon. Briefly, just Andrew McMahon. <laughs> now he's in the wilderness. He is. He is, and uh, and so I think that you know he's trying to express himself as an artist and. Um, and I really look forward to his new material. So, I mean, obviously this is kind of going to focus around his new album that he's going to be bringing out in the not too distant future. Um, yes. but, um, and I mean, just from the first taste, I mean, already it's, it's really, you know, it seems really personal, obviously, and it can't get much more personal than, uh, the song we're about to show you, which is, uh, called Cecilia in the satellite. And so you, you heard it first. So why don't you tell us your opinion on it? Yeah, I really like it a lot. Um, it's it's uh, it's heartfelt. You know, one of the things that Andrew does really well is that he um, he tells a story about things that he's done, places he's been, emotions he's felt uh, that are uh, relatable mm. for me. They're they're kind of they're you know they're in tandem, if you will, um, with with kind of my uh, I wouldn't say my perception. They're his, obviously, but I very I, I find them very relatable. Um, I think that the things that he talks about are are really neat and fun, um, and this is this is a story that is, for me, all still a fantasy. Not being a father, it's still fiction. Um, I don't have any roots grounded in this uh, in this story, but I do think that it is really um, a fun vision of the future for me. Um, you know, it's. Uh, it's something obviously you can relate to, right? I I can, and and actually, yeah, that's that's why this this song is really personal. And it's weird because it's not it's feels like more than just a song about a you know father and a daughter. I mean, he's a brand new father. He's, his daughter's um, you know a couple months old at this point, and um, and I have a four year old who's sitting right outside the door, and uh, and so I I can really relate with um, you know with with where he's coming from. Uh, t- talking about how you know she's his world and i mean my daughter means so much to me so um yeah so i think you know the lyrics will really speak for themselves and we should yeah we should, without further ado let's check out cecilia and the satellite i locked myself in a hotel room then waited all night for the walls to move i love some girl I made some friends and I lost some too Crashed my car, I was 17 My mother in the seat right next to me The things I've learned from a broken mirror How a face can change when a heart knows fear For all the things my eyes have seen The best by far is you
I'm the satellite And you're the sky So that's this episode of Concert Pipeline Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Really appreciate it. Thank you to Miles Hendrick for being on the program. And again, next time we're going to bring you a review of The Slightly Stupid Show with No Effects and Stephen Marley at the Greek Theater. Uh, so you'll get to hear about that on the next episode of Concert Pipeline Podcast. Uh, again, check us out on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Pod and on uh, Twitter at, at Concert Pipeline, and uh, and we'll catch you next time.